0: All right, I think this is the start of the show right here. Which is all the, all that stuff that came before not a part of the
1: show. This okay. now. From the You're in charge, man. It's you do the editing so you get to decide what the beginning is. You're in charge of the beginning.
0: I guess that's right. And the
1: ending. You're the alpha and the omega. Yeah,
0: well here this is the end. That's it. Short show today. Wow.
1: A very short.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you're not on the other side of the country, are you? I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't call that
1: you know, you're far away,
0: right now. You're far away, but it's yeah, not it's the funny. other we, side of the country,
1: right? Because it's like the difference between east, west, and north, south. So even though I'm very far away in the north, south direction, I'm, I'm not really that far away east, west. And we think of I at least you would use the word side to refer to the east and west coast. Hmm. Um. But so w- what you what word do we instead of side? What you, word do we use to Denote I, I mean a, a great north-south distance.
0: I mean, if you just think of the country as just a shape, when when you talk about other sides, you, you you're thinking in terms of a shape, and and to the extent the country is a, you know, a, a, it's a it's a rectangle that somebody messed with a bunch on the edges. Yes, um, you're on the other side, but but maybe the short side. You're on the other side of the short side. Hmm. Hmm.
1: I'm. I think like, I'm on the other side of the long side.
0: No, I mean, you're, you're you're on the, the, the other
1: country's longer east to west than it is yeah. high from north but to south. You're on
0: the other long side, but you're on the other you're on the other side on the short side. So so if you
1: you kind of have to oh, travel Oh, I see what you yeah, yeah, You have yeah, to travel yeah, yeah. off the
0: short side of the rectangle.
1: Yes, yes. But that means I'm on the other long side.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But not, actually, not all that close. I mean, I,
0: I, I'd have to look at a map again. I always get confused by a map. Uh, um, How
1: many law professors does it take to make it hard to talk about something? I think two. Um, <laughs> it's, I, it's a good guess. I think <laughs> maybe, maybe one. That, that's, yeah, fair enough.
0: I confuse myself regularly. I don't know about you.
1: But two, you're guaranteed. All right, What's so I mean,
0: what are you drinking this morning, Joe? What do you got there?
1: Oh, I happen to be having a little coffee.
0: Well, I knew that. I could tell that. Um I think even through the audio, we could tell. By the way, you sipped it; that was probably coffee. You know, there's a certain because characteristic a sound. Hot. Yeah, there's a characteristic yeah. sound. Sure, um, sure. And so, really, the question is like, what kind of? Is there anything special about this coffee? Is there? No, no. Uh,
1: there's nothing particularly noteworthy about it. It mm-hmm. is a. Uh, it is black. It is hot. It is reasonably tasty. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with that.
0: Well, I I am having a a cup from our local Thousand Faces roaster. Um, nice. Uh, who managed by one of the many people, including you, Joe, who have had occasion to live in our house over the years.
1: Wow, okay.
0: Yours was a short stay.
1: Yes, and I don't think that while I was there, I do not think there was anyone from Thousand Faces Coffee staying there also. No, no. Most of our guests have stayed seriatim. Yeah, this was not concurrent. No. This was serial. I feel like there
0: has been some concurrent staying, though. You know, we're selling our house. I had heard that. So that's that's going to put a crimp in the, in kind of the 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 carousel of long term house guests that we tend to have.
1: Yeah. You, well, I hope that in your next dwelling, however large or small it may be, that you'll at least have. Okay. That you'll at least have the ability to put some sort of uh, wood planking on the roof <laughs> so that people can sleep on the roof if need be. Yeah, like if you could get you know a sleeping bag, or or if it's cooler, you know, just throw down a tarp of some kind and you know go to sleep under the stars. Oh, I have several That'd be fun. I have
0: several tents that would work. Yeah,
1: but you, I, w- I think you need roof space. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, you need a, like a roof deck of some. kind. I would
0: love to have a roof deck just for to put my telescope up there.
1: See, the the uses multiply.
0: I've always wanted that. In fact, I've wanted to go on the roof. Now I've been told not to do that though. Mm. people have told me don't go on a roof
1: okay Um, but it seems like you do want it you want a special structure on that roof you want it built so that it's you want something purpose built for non-roofers ideally like roofers are a special that's a special class of experience the people who do roofing stuff are amazing and their ability to get up there and sort of jump around and run around it's crazy yeah. Um, but that's super That's like Marvel superhero level stuff. You don't want to you know you, you want to be on a roof deck where it's made for people like you or even worse people like me. I, ideally. Um, ideally. Yeah. Well, well but you, you're, you're you're the one moving into the new house, so you have the choice to get something appropriately created.
0: I think right? either either you wear special shoes or you, you have or you have a, a um a low pitched roof so that the pitch isn't that great. Or you have soft landings around the sides of the house.
1: <laughs> those are all. All three of those are good ideas. Uh, in fact, you could do them all at once. But uh, but why not even even to add further to the awesomeness of the experience, have a roof deck?
0: Yeah, I think you need that because I need a flat spot to put the the uh, telescope. Yes. Uh,
1: the, the stars you'll see, the planets you'll see.
0: Well, it's unfortunate. You know, we live in Athens, Georgia. Um, True. You don't right now. I still do.
1: That's not unfortunate.
0: Uh, well, it's unfortunate if you are interested in stargazing because the stars mm, because here are of terrible.
1: The, the quantity of light pollution yeah. is that what you're referring to? Yeah.
0: Yeah. For a town our size, it's it's terrible. But you don't have to go too far out of town for them to be actually quite good.
1: I'm sure that's right.
0: Um, not world class or anything. I mean, not like in the West. But there are a few spots around. In fact, there is. You know, to the east of us is a deed restricted community called Deer Lake Astronomy Village. Really, which I have not been to, which um, uh, I've actually used as uh, uh, an example, uh, as an example in a in an exam problem for my property students one year. But um, you know, because it's an HOA and, and homeowners yeah, associations yeah. are and private governments are, are interesting topics. Um, Indeed. So so you know so it's a it's a community of people who go there because it is a dark sky. I guess it was founded by some people from Atlanta who were looking for a place within like an hour or so of Atlanta that had very okay. dark skies and would be unlikely to be developed um and and get so brighter this is in not future. a
1: residential are, are there residences yes
0: there so, so there's both a field where people can camp and right. there are individual parcels which are deed restricted um and what know.
1: do the restrictions uh, uh, well there are things about lights do mainly they re- use,
0: hmm? they're, they're main, mainly the restrictions refer to lights oh,
1: there are other restrictions okay. too
0: about fires and things it's been a while since i looked at it but uh you know you've you got to you got to maintain dark skies. A lot of people there have, you know, um, uh, retractable roof kind of garages where they do serious like astrophotography and Whoa. stuff like that. So anyway, I want to go soon. I, 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 apparently, you can buy a, a, an annual membership, which allows you then to camp um, when you know when, oh, when you want campground. to campground. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really a campground. It's more of a field. But but yeah. Yeah.
1: The camping field.
0: Yeah. The camping field. So
1: And that's neat because um that I'm sure that helps uh defray some of the expenses of the HOA. The fact that they have uh is there a fee related to staying at the field?
0: I think now I'm not gonna get sued if I get this wrong, am I? Not by me. Okay, good, good. I just want to make sure that you wouldn't sue Joe. That was really my No,
1: question. the worst I would do is be indignant. But <laughs> I would I would absolutely not sue.
0: I think it's like sixty bucks a year for a membership and then it's like Ten bucks or so, or something, something around that per night if you camp. Neat. After you pay the membership, so it's not like super cheap. You'd want to go s- several times throughout the year to make it to make it worth it. Right. But apparently, there's also is it Stephen F. Austin? I'm not sure. There's a, also a, a state park in South Georgia, which has world class dark skies. One of the only wow. places I think, unless you go offshore, to find such dark skies without going west.
1: Yeah. Okay, I'll take your word for it.
0: More coffee there, Joe. I heard more coffee.
1: Yeah, well, you also probably saw it.
0: Uh, I, well, I did. I did, but I heard it was, it was Since great, great Foley work, though. I love the Foley work on this episode. Oh, thank
1: you. Thank you. <laughs> I've got a crinkly piece of paper here, and I'm just making some sounds of various kinds. Um, so yeah, I got, do the listeners? The listeners don't know that we're on Zoom, so that we can, we're actually seeing each other as well as hearing each other.
0: Boy, we got a lot of response, good response last week. I think we did mention last week that we were on Zoom, and, and we decided, hey, let's let's just record. You know, we right. want to talk to each other anyway. Let's just record. True. And a lot of people are happy to see us back.
1: Or hear us back.
0: Yeah, or we'll see that we were back, and then listen yeah. to us, having known that we were back, yeah.
1: It's, ama- it's amazing.
0: Um, so thank you all for the well wishes. Um,
1: and got- now we're going to punish you by <laughs> coming to you with this.
0: <laughs> I got a really nice email. Um, from someone who didn't want their name or anything mentioned, um, I'll, I'll get back to that person, but just know that uh, I really appreciate your email. And uh, I think, boy, should I give the email address? I think it's feedback at oralargument.org.
1: I'm pretty sure. You, did you change it?
0: What, what did you think it was before? Oh, no, not uh, the oral, Gmail one.
1: Oralargumentpodcast at com. There's
0: that one, but then I you know I registered the oralargument.org one. So I think feedback at oralargument.org goes now Feedback
1: but at oralargument.org. i think so you should have you should have tested that before we went on yeah. today
0: joe there's a lot of stuff i should have done before we went on today
1: Th- this so. is a fair <laughs> point and the same would be true for me
0: like make an outline of what we're going to talk about
1: mm, yeah well gosh uh, sure i don't have one of those
0: did you have an agenda i mean i think we have um this is this so far this has been the dedication portion i think we've done the um uh the uh um the introductory portion of today's meeting. I don't have Robert I don't have Robert's rules in front of me. So
1: <laughs> Oh my. Do you um I don't either, yeah. I'm glad to say. Um but I am sending an email. Oh, to me? Uh to feedback at oralargument.org.
0: Oh boy, okay. <laughs> subject line, this show sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, we don't know that yet. The the future is unwritten.
0: Uh, Yeah, sometimes you can make a projection. You can predict the weather, Joe.
1: Look, if I learned nothing from the early Terminator movies, I I Mm. learned that the future is unwritten. So I'm not going to say the show sucks. The show's not over yet. That's just just being negative.
0: you remember that predestination movie? Did you see that?
1: Was that the one that Ethan Hawke was in?
0: Yes, yes. Don't say anything about it. Don't spoil it.
1: I'm not going to spoil it, but that was, well, he was in it. So if if you consider that a spoiler, go to hell. (laughs) B, Um, yes, that was an amazing movie. Yeah, that one. And it's got a different view
0: of time travel than, say, uh, Primer or um, Terminator. I guess. So I'm not sure the future is always unwritten. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, what did you want to talk about today, Joe?
1: I have. Uh, no, uh, I was not the one who suggested we talk. So oh boy! I have no, oh boy! I have no desire to talk about anything in particular.
0: Oh, okay. Well, this, is, this has I'm been here great to say hi. Um, I. You know what? I did read this morning,
1: no, and I know. What I know you that you've.
0: I know that you've been uh, listen. You listen to the Supreme Court oral arguments, don't you?
1: I do. Although I will. I will say I have not listened to the last five or six of them.
0: But did, uh and this was not an oral argument, so I don't know if you've followed this. Did you? uh um, have you you've certainly read about the Cuomo case the the preliminary injunction case with the churches in New York a church with the Catholic diocese and the um, Orthodox uh, Jewish communities in New York
1: yes I have read about that
0: did you read the uh, opinions or did you read about that uh, I
1: i I read through them uh, very quickly uh, the a day or two after they took place I sort of shot through them super quickly um, I think my tweet was something like, "Oh, it turns out the Constitution is a suicide pact."
0: Yeah, that was. I think that was the the that's the tweet that I would have sent had I tweeted about it. Yeah. Um. So I read through them this morning hmm. out of curiosity because I I feel like surely I'm being unfair in my reaction to these things. Surely I'm being unfair because there must be some 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 difficult issue there, and I think there are some difficult issues. Um. But. Uh we maybe we should say what these cases are about. So these cases are um uh, this case is brought by I think it's the Catholic Diocese and I don't know where I don't know how, I don't really know the organization. Uh but um some Catholic churches in 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 New York and maybe Brooklyn and um some Jewish synagogues in Brooklyn and New York, I'm not sure. Do you know? Something like that, right? Uh,
1: I do know that there was at least one uh Catholic organization and at least one Jewish organization. I don't know where in New York City. I don't know how many houses of worship uh, were implicated in mm-hmm. the request. Um,
0: so th- they're pushing back against Cuomo's uh, organization for responding to the pandemic. And in particular, like it's, it's the, the, the way that New York seems to be regulating this stuff or seems to have regulated uses is similar to how we do zoning in general. Uh, land use hmm. planning zoning, which is to create um, geographic districts with uh, in, within which there are uniform regulations, but between which the regulations differ. Okay. Um, and so there are some geographic districts that are red zones where very restrictive regulations apply and others, uh, orange zones, which are kind of in between, yellow zones, which are kind of I, one of the lightest. I don't know how many different zones they have. I assume they also have green zones where where nearly anything goes but um
1: now unlike typical zoning i guess these zones would be because the risk de- the risk determined zones that their boundaries would be fluid right so you might be last week you were in the red zone and this week you're in the orange zone because things have improved in your area
0: right i mean i mean and, unlike and traditional
1: zoning where it's like last week i lived in this kind <laughs> of neighborhood and next week i live in that kind of neighborhood because the neighborhoods are set up for these building regulations which don't move that quickly well you i would say making an analogy yeah i would say so, the time
0: scales for the change in the map are are radically different quite different yeah back. although you know we then you know certainly it's the case that a, that what is a residential one zone today could be rezoned as a industrial three zone tomorrow it's just that, undoubtedly um it's just that that tomorrow may be quite far off sure and presumably other changes would happen before then but it's the same idea and you can rezone in, in land use planning, and here there's, it's like zoning, but it's all done kind of by the governor um, rather right. than through some kind of legislative, local legislative process or, or even state legislative process.
1: Right. Given the public health crisis, he's probably using pre-existing uh, New York statutory authority uh, grants to him or her, or her, whoever the governor is, uh, to, to carry out certain public health responses.
0: And I, I guess the way these work is that within the red zones, the most restrictive zones. Uh, well, within all the zones, I guess there's a list of uses and then a list of restrictions for those uses. And within red zones, houses of worship were restricted to 10 congregants or 10, uh, 10 people at a time. And I think in the orange zones, it was 25 people at a time. And then uh, within the yellow zones, it was more like 50% occupancy. It was a percentage-based occupancy, I think, within the, within the yellow zones. There are also restrictions on other kinds of businesses and 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 gatherings, uh, in in those zones. Um, notably, I guess like liquor stores could operate, other essential businesses could operate in in orange zones, maybe even in red zones. It, you know, there's kind of a sliding. It's not a sliding scale, but there's a um, uh, there there are differences. But uh, so so um, lots of stores, grocery stores can operate, um, but. Uh,
1: yeah people still need food, yeah, so uh, and the way people use various establishments would probably factor into the degree to which or the circumstances under which those establishments could continue to operate. Right. right people people go into and move around in and exit some kinds of places in a different way than they do other kinds of places. Well, that's one of the so big you issues. Would think here. sensible regulation would track that would track those differences
0: yeah and it would be informed by public health and by what we know and what we know as as you know has changed dramatically since Indeed. february since march since even right. april may yep. um so uh you know i mean just the very nature of the uh, the the primary nature of the way the virus is spread like our understanding of that has changed dramatically since since new york was hit with the first wave yes and so uh so this challenge um says that um uh, is brought as a, a violation of the free exercise clause, and um, and is basically claiming that the uh, that the zoning that the mayor has uh, that the governor has implemented is um, discriminatory, and because it treats religion differently from non religious uses, has to be subjected to strict scrutiny. You know this narrow, you know compelling government interest and and narrow tailoring of the regulation to that compelling
1: interest. Right. Um, now, it wouldn't be too difficult to imagine uh, discriminatory uh, edicts that just because they happen to take place during a public health emergency, um, you, you you wouldn't fail to perceive and condemn the way in which they were discriminatory. So, for example, if uh, the the governor in the guise of the public health regulation said, look, um, uh, worship services at um, Christian denomination churches are, can continue. Um, All other denominations have to cease immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. So Jewish, Muslim, whatever it might be. Right. Um, No. Uh, That's, that seems <laughs> wildly inappropriate, as well as flagrantly unconstitutional. Uh, it seems to me. Well, um, well that would be a reason. And indeed, it might even be. A, it might not even be a free exercise problem. It might be an establishment problem. Establishment clause problem. It could be. Um, yeah, I mean, all, all these so things it could here, be both.
0: The, the Constitution on these points is overlapping and over in a way, right? I mean, we have also right. have the Equal Protection Clause, and but uh, the, the quickest way to this kind of strict scrutiny is is that, but. What you just mentioned is a case where, okay, you've made this distinction among different uh, religious groups, and boy, I'm skeptical. Uh, you're going to need to show me that's, that there was really a need. Like, it's not inconceivable that there could be an absolute no. need to make that kind of distinction. Maybe it's the way that they worship. Maybe it's something else, which is exactly key to the social problem, which is, you know, compelling.
1: But boy, would you need to hear a lot of detail to make to reassure yourself that you were looking at a distinction grounded in actual fact and not in some sort of bizarre hostility right. or, um, a, or or something of that nature. Right. Um, so what I was trying to do was simply give an illustration as a as a sort of baseline for thinking about. Okay, so so what if it weren't that? Which I think everyone would agree. Oh my God, you got to look super carefully. You're going to be listening with a lot of skepticism to what the answer is. And you want to hear a lot of detail that would justify that kind of disparate approach. Right. Right. Because it's just um, on
0: its face, you're suspicious, right? You're, you know, you're, you're skeptical. And justifiably so. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so you would want to look more closely and you'd want, okay, tell me, you know, what, what is so important that you need to make this distinction? And then is there no other way that you could have gotten to that important thing? Like that's yeah. the essence of, uh, of this kind of what we call equal protection. Str- yeah, strict scrutiny. And and yeah. you see the same mechanic. The basic the same basic judicial mechanic is used for funda- analysis of burdening of fundamental rights, equal sure. protection, free exercise, a lot lots of uh, lots of first amendment contexts. Um, so th- sure. th- it's very common that we you know Government does something and say, "Hey, we really need to do this." You say, "Did you really need to do this? Like, how badly did you need to do this?" And then, and then, how how um, are there other ways that you could have done this that wouldn't have burdened this right or made this distinction, et etc., cetera, etc.
1: Cetera? Now, let's just for um, before we get to again to the Cuomo thing, let's do another let's do another one. So, okay. what if the governors uh, what if the governor's uh, restriction were um, uh, all inside dining businesses, right? Uh, The the selling of food for eating on the premises uh, seated at tables inside, right? Right. Um, That's all prohibited uh, until this emergency order is lifted, right? So that we're clearly making a distinction among kinds of businesses. Um, It falls very heavily on that kind of business and not on other kinds of businesses. So go through your analysis that you were just doing. How does that one strike you?
0: So, um, it, it, you know, this obviously brings up the, the old, uh, Lochner problem in constitutional law, which is that, um, you know, when, when, when I see a regulation, which hits indoor dining very hard and other things, not as hard, I'm not immediately skeptical. Like, you know, I, I want to know that there's a reason why you singled out one kind of thing, um, or that, you know, I could conceive of a reason why you would hit that one kind of thing. Um. But like, I'm not immediately skeptical that maybe government is doing something invidious, um, that uh, it, that it's uh, trying to uh, that majoritarianism has broken down in in right. a serious way, or that. And I uh, suppose
1: the reason for that is because you know people who own indoor dining establishments as a mental category right. isn't a category that lines up with some other thing that tells us from our history and our tradition our reasons to be worried about. The thing you just mentioned, which is majority give and take, win today, lose tomorrow, ordinary politics processes, right? right. Those aren't breaking down in some way or getting twisted out of uh, form in some way. Uh, and that's just about. History and experience and mental categories, and people who own sit down dining restaurants is just not a thing that triggers unlike you know all the Christians or all the this or all the that where you might think oh my gosh that's I know from history and experience that that sounds bad right right um,
0: so so there's that there 's that kind of caste understanding right that this is not historically this is not a group which is which has been uh, disadvantaged in numerous ways by majorities for complicated social reasons and for reasons of just like rank expropriation or, you know, there's not an historical um, burden which is being furthered or or deepened by this kind of, by, by, by this regulation. But nor is there reason to think that there's kind of sectoral competition. So there are You know, maybe I've got a regulation on indoor dining and then nearby there are like maybe takeout only restaurants. And I'm maybe one thing I'm worried about is that like takeout only restaurants have kind of captured the legislature or the executive in such a way that we've um, uh, that they've done through government what they couldn't do through the market, which is to defeat their (laughs) to defeat their uh, market enemies. Right. And right now. Now. If they had, of course, that would be a kind of governmental failure. It would be a kind of majoritarian failure. And so maybe you would look to the courts to kind of reinforce the representation of these uh, – of the market losers, the ones who have been kind of unfairly um, uh, decimated by – decimated – This, I mean not just reduced by 10th, but you know what I mean, Joe.
1: Got it. Um, yeah.
0: But like there's not really – I'm not super suspicious that's happening in most cases because you would think that one kind of market – sector could protect itself from other market sectors in democracy, or at least, you know, there's not a reason to think that those people would be repeat losers in the economy. Um,
1: yeah. And, and- without, evidence, without some evidence of that, uh, that they were repeat losers, in which case you'd start to reform your mental categories that would suggest that just hearing that categorization should itself trigger the kind of skepticism. As right we were just talking about earlier right so in the absence of that kind of pattern w- what i think you would think instead is oh yeah this is sort of the normal you know win today lose tomorrow then win the time after that um and and in that context the f- the institutional competence issues about courts deciding versus legislators or other elected officials deciding might become more prominent to you that yeah. the, the sort of the downside of having uh, unelected judges in the federal system, or or even elected judges, but uh, the judiciary, which is does has a different kind of job and has different kinds of informational resources and competences, um, you might think, ooh, you know, get <laughs> the the one way to make this worse is get a court involved. Maybe right I, if it's the yeah. kind of ordinary day to day, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out uh, as long as the 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 machinery of of legislation itself isn't being busted. Well that's the thing.
0: So if you think bad governance is going on. Well first of all if you think criminally bad if this matter of bribes or capture that is that violates some kind of standards of of state legislation then you would think then you could get the executive involved in uh or or civil suits uh, depending on how sure. the that's written. But uh but we also have tools like
1: for t- that are tailor-made to deal with those yeah, kinds of problems. Yeah.
0: Tailor-made to deal with like corrupt governance to the extent it's Correct. like bad governance. Just kind of garden variety bad governance like, you know, the um uh, the majority of the legislature is responsive to one kind of business interest at the expense of another. It's not the kind of of uh, of of governance that might appeal to the electorate and be reinforced by the by an electorate who is kind of pulled along through kind of um, uh, like bad majoritarianism. In the same way mm-hmm. that like beating up against a disfavored social group might be, right? Sure. And, so th- that's a way that majoritarianism really can fail, right? So you have both. Yes bad governance and the extent you're using the tools of democracy to get what you couldn't get in ordinary social intercourse. Right. Um, but, but further like you're, you're appealing to the electorate with that. And this is, you know, the standard kind of like beating up on racial groups through democracy. Yeah. Right. So, um, so, so, to the extent that we're beating up on indoor dining, um, it's, it's hard to imagine that I could like, because we favor like the takeout, uh, the takeout restaurants, <laughs> um, if, if they're imagine there were such things then it's not as though we, we would expect to go into the next elections with people like saying yeah let's stick it to the indoor dining <laughs> people right it's like yeah you would expect that maybe elections could help deal with that and at least there's a chance at dealing with that through elections and that chance may be enough to say you know courts this is not for you to like overcome yeah. majoritarianism in order to fix this right maybe maybe it can help itself yeah uh, So, um, so so, uh,
1: what I was, again, I'm just trying to give, I'm trying to give us a a sort of a shape of the terrain yeah because I think when you and I read the Cuomo stuff, I think we bring to that reading of it, these sorts of some of the furniture of of standard. Yeah, we're talking about like, you and I are just talking about like basic,
0: basic Caroline products, democracy and distrust, you know, general ideas about what courts are for, right? That I think you and I both generally agree on in, in, in broad contours. Indeed. And all right so so what so how do you how do you want to proceed here so what what do you think about these um, um these distinctions that have been made
1: Well I think there's a there's a lot of interesting stuff going on because we have earlier in the summer um I mean so so one event that this represents is a change in the personnel of the court uh because earlier in the summer uh when the court was composed of different people uh one different person in particular, um, the, the court, uh, was unwilling to displace a, and I think it was an executive order in that case as well. But unwilling this is in to California, displace, I think. Yes. Um, unwilling to displace a, a a gubernatorial order, uh, based on different businesses, including houses of worship, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and now the uh, majority of the court is willing to displace it and, and
0: uh, the, the, like the the um there is a formal difference here and that this, these regulations i think specifically mention houses of worship and single them out for i think more extreme treatment than did the regulations there uh this is not to prejudge it because i i think the court t- totally got it wrong here um yes but uh, uh the uh what what you say in terms of personnel is also true and that those cases were, what, 5-4, I think, um, or we don't – do we even know? I didn't go back and look to see what the
1: – Yeah, I, my, my recollection is it's it's 5-4, uh, and the chief wrote a sort of a concurring yeah. something, right? There's like an order, and then he concurs in the order. There were, mu- there were many fewer opinions in that yeah. matter. I, think, I just don't remember if there was a dis-
0: – I don't remember if there was a dissent from the order and how many people signed on to it. I, I don't recall um
1: yeah i think i think there was a dissent in that one too um but from like alito and there were f- a yeah. few uh kavanaugh if recollection serves okay. but um but but no. yeah there's so the court's sort of done an about face on on the basic question is this an instance of deference or not um and be, you know so I, i'm just you,
0: saying as, as a formal matter you can say these are more these are more severe restrictions. You can imagine that maybe the court would have approved of those, but not of uh, of these restrictions. However, I think it's also like perfectly obvious that 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 this would have been five um, four in favor of not issuing the injunction. Uh, or, or I'm, I'm sorry, five four in terms of uh, yeah, not enjoining uh, New York from enforcing these things. Had, uh, had Ginsburg had still Justice been alive,
1: Ginsburg, correct? I yeah. think there's I I have very little doubt that that's so myself for what it's worth
0: and uh and that includes uh, chief justice roberts here who wrote a concurrence saying that he somewhat doubted that these would be um that these restrictions would withstand constitutional scrutiny uh at least at this vantage point but he would not issue the injunction at this stage because he was, the injunction he was actually
1: yeah. he was actually dissenting not concurring right um, but yes
0: did i say concurring you did oh i meant but concurring that's... with the dissent you know what i mean joe uh
1: i do now <laughs> okay
0: uh um but the procedural posture here is also odd because i think there was a district court decision on the uh, and and it's now before the second circuit but the but the supreme court basically said let's enjoin this send it to the second circuit and if the, and the injunction will be dissolved either when we deny cert from the second circuit um or when we issue an opinion on the merits if we accept right. cert right so it's kind of a you know taking away from the second circuit the power to decide whether there should be an injunction here
1: Right. <sighs> All You're, right. You can imagine being a Second Circuit judge and thinking, "Boy, the, I'm going to spend as little time on this as possible." Oh, why do you say that? Because it, for the reason you just said, which is, it's this thing has been given this, <laughs> it's got a mark on it now, and it's going to, it's going to. We're we're at best a sort of lame o dress rehearsal. This is not the final act. So right. the less time. You know, make sure the record is clear. Make sure the arguments are clear. People have taken the positions they're going to take. Then, but I wouldn't labor over. Um, again, I'm not a judge, and maybe this is a good reason why I'm not. Uh, but I, I wouldn't labor over it because you just know it's going upward.
0: Now we're getting point. into this conversation, even as as you know, like I, my interest in the Supreme Court could hardly be lower at this point in time. <laughs> um, and, but this this yeah. case kind of jumped out to me as. Um, because I am interested in governmental responses to the coronavirus epidemic, yes, um, yes. As, as I think everybody is. But I'm particularly interested in the way that kind of evolving and uncertain science interacts with policy and with the particularly, I think, particularly ridiculous co- p- political moment in which we find ourselves right now. Like, Indeed. there's this whole theater of the absurd interacting with ordinary policymaking, interacting with science, which is proceeding in its normal I think at a breakneck pace, but in a in, in its normal way, um, mm-hmm. which is a constant revision of our state of knowledge as we, as as right. more evidence comes to light. Um, so I, I found so the reason I want to talk about this is I found this very disturbing. This whole uh, this this opinion, um, the the procurium, the um, particularly the Gorsuch concurrence.
1: Yeah, that uh, was uh, the the ferocity of the smarm. And um, the, the sort of moronic um, I, I've, posturing is really right. weird. The, the
0: Kavanaugh uh, concurrence seemed to me more kind of like Supreme Court normal science in that, you know, you could take the view that it's um, that, that this would likely um, fail constitutional scrutiny because it makes a distinction on its face between religious uses and other uses. You mm-hmm. could decide that um, that that distinction doesn't survive strict scrutiny. You have to get to strict scrutiny first, and I think the arguments for getting there are difficult. So anyway, I disagree with it, but it's like a more normal science kind of disagreement, and I think it's a problematic. I mean, I I, I think it's a serious disagreement. The the, yes. Gors- the Gorsuch concurrence, though, it's is a
1: serious disagreement with. It's a serious disagreement with 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 important uh, implications for things like public health and the like. Well, a- and but I agree. With-
0: and how and how we measure discrimination against religion or among religious uses. like there's a, you know, this is not um, it, this is a very tricky point and uh, and and his opinion and and the opinion of the of the court here would take that um, would take that issue in a direction that I think is unfortunate. But the Gorsuch opinion is just the word I would use for it is hubris. It has this like breathtaking, breathtakingly hubristic analysis of the issues and the wisdom of certain like public health measures um that that i you know as um i i tend to think that that kagan and sotomayor who who said this is this seems reasonable to us basically they, these are reasonable yeah. distinctions to make um I, I tend to lean in that direction but i at least would agree with Breyer that like um we really need to hear from experts on this um, and and let this kind of proceed in in due course below, and Gorsuch right. was like having having none of this. Just observing, of right. course, this is ridiculous. Of course, these resti- uh, distinctions are are absurd. Um,
1: and do, the the notion that given that this had been at the district court and that it was sort of ready to go in the Second Circuit, you know, in in terms of process, right? The yeah. orderly processing of this case. From the trial level to the appellate level, developing the facts, understanding what's happening, including the notion that given the changing public health circumstances on the ground and the precise contours of the governor's order, one has to be open to the idea that this dispute in particular has, is no longer a live, viable dispute. I mean, mootness is a real thing. Um, uh, that, that boy, was there less than no reason for uh, the court to reach out and take this matter, um, leave it to the lower courts to handle it in the in the conventional way, uh, so that we could make sure we had the full factual basis that we needed, et cetera. Because yeah. those factual distinctions would be important, I would think. Yeah. But it, instead, we get this, you know, Gorsuch-style smarm fest, um, it, which is just gross.
0: I, I yeah, I mean it's it's interesting you say because I maybe smart, I, I don't know, I, I found a lot of hubris, and I also found it to be um, boy, I, I don't want to be overly I don't know. I, I did find it grotesque in the way that it attributed like in the way that it celebrated the Constitution as if this was obviously an attack on the Constitution, right? Obviously, right. people were just willing to jettison the Constitution in the face of an emergency but that he was a hero and, and the court would be heroes and kind of adhering to the constitution, even in the face of emergency. And it, it events this kind of faith that of course the constitution isn't a suicide pact. It charts a reasonable course because all of these public health measures here, uh, these distinctions that they want to make are totally unreasonable. And we can get into like the secular versus religious aspect of this. I think it's a, well, in, 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 a, in a second, maybe. Um, uh, but, you know, it, Especially laid out against the uh, against the decision in Trump against Hawaii, the Muslim ban case. Um, right. This is it's just to me it kind of it, it's gross as you said. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling to find the words here, but I think maybe we should just get into the to the merits a little bit because the the, the essential the essential problem here in deciding whether this is some kind of invidious discrimination against religion or not. Is what are the right comparisons? What are the right comparators? What's being compared to what, right? Yes, and
1: which, th- which was also the debate in the opinion over the summer, like in June or whatever that was, with mm-hmm. the California case. Right. It was, it was a it was a conversation about the right comparator,
0: right? And everything turns on that, right? And there, there are kind of two there are two main lines of attack that I recall from, um, from looking at this this morning. Like one of them is. The choice by New York to use absolute person numbers, uh, numbers of people restrictions rather than percentage uh, of capacity. So restricting meetings to 10 people um, or 25 in the case of orange zones, regardless of the capacity of the church or the synagogue. So it would apply whether the church could hold, I think it was, you know, the lesser of 10 or a certain percentage to be fair. Um, but that um, the lesser of would be ten or twenty five, even in a one thousand person capacity uh, church or synagogue, and there was just this kind of casual observation that of course this is ridiculous, right? Uh, of course that's absurd. You know this can hold a thousand people, right? So why should we they re- we restricted twenty five? This is obviously irrational. So that was one thing, and I have a re- I have real problems with that because I think they're just factually wrong. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and I would want to hear more from experts about that. Although, what I've That's heard from experts I. makes me think that, like, it doesn't matter whether it can hold a thousand people or not, like, 25 people together in the same space breathing air, unless it's like really, really big. Um, and it depends on ventilation, depends on all kinds of other things. The problem is you've got 20. Well,
1: 20- especially if, you know, given the pre- whatever the prevalence rate is in the community, the likelihood that someone has the disease um, based on, you know, there being X people in the room, it's not about right. the size of the room. It's
0: about the prevalence in the community. Well, it is, I mean, I, you know, I, I've done, I've done some of these, like the um, these models, which purport to model, you know, how what the, what the likelihood of of uh, what the expected number of infected people over a certain amount of time is in rooms of various sizes with various ventilation rates. And and it is true, like the bigger the room, the less likely that somebody is going to be infected. Um, the more distance between people, the less likely they'll be affected, even indoors. But it's it's not like outdoors, right? There's not a zero. Uh, uh, percent chance. A lot depends on ventilation and on what they're doing and on how good the mask compliance is and on how well fitting the masks are. Like indoors is dangerous, and um, you know, so if they're there for a long time, and you know, coming in and out of the
1: same doors. I, anyway, that the, the I, I was addressing the absolute number point. Yeah, the the, the notion that it would be absurd to uh, calibrate your prohibition based on an absolute number rather than a percentage. And it seems to me it's far from absurd, uh, given that if you know that the disease is at a certain prevalence in a community, you know that if there are that many people in the room, the likelihood of one of them having the disease is very high. Yeah, And that wouldn't be about the capacity of the room in which they're located.
0: Right. Uh, And my only point is, it is true that the larger the building and the better the ventilation, the, the lower the probability that any number of people who already have the virus will transmit it to other people,
1: and uh, which is a separate issue it, it, it's, Then a, yeah. the number of people in the room and whether or not any one of them might have the disease.
0: Right. And, well, what the, the percentage scaling idea imagines that indoor spaces can be like outdoor spaces, right? And so, if if uh, you know if, if 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 you're down to like ten percent or twenty five percent or fifty percent of capacity, it's kind of a proxy for the distance between the people, right? And that right. a certain distance can be safe. But that's just not the way that indoors work um, with this virus. Uh, there was just this study out of South Korea that um, that uh, you and I texted about. Um, yes. That showed that, you know, given air flows in, in this restaurant, it was transmitted from somebody from like 25 feet away. I don't know exactly. It was, I think it was about 25 to 30 feet away. Um, yep. And it just had to do with the way that the ventilation was like channeling the air. And, th- and that was... With five minutes of contact, now I think it was unmasked, but it was five minutes of contact from like twenty-five feet away, and it resulted in a transmission. And I, do you hear Darcy there?
1: I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, hi, she, Darcy.
0: I don't hear her as well because I got these headphones in, and so um, yeah, I'm not sure how much of her whining is making it into the.
1: Uh, <laughs> I just started into, heard it that into the
0: podcast time. today, uh. So, so the point is that I think you would want to hear from experts on how many people in a. In, in in a space however large uh at various ven- like I, I don't know i i don't know what the risks are but it seems to me reasonable right. to say let's not get too many people together because we know when we get a lot of people together that if if one or more people are positive you can get these events where like a ton of people get it
1: and i would let me re- i would make a friendly amendment um if if i think the court's view wouldn't shouldn't be uh, we want to hear from experts it's did the governor hear from experts yeah. Well, in I, other words, hmm. did the decision-making process? Did the decision-making process include consulting the right kind of people with the right kind of expertise? And and if his selection is is within the parameters those people provided, what would be the basis for thinking that it wasn't a reasonable approach given the exigencies of the problem? Mm-hmm. And in the absence of other bases for thinking, it was an effort to. Uh, Carry out hostile views toward uh, religious practice. Yeah, and and which I I just don't think there's. I just don't see the evidence for at all. Um, To say that it's you know you mentioned them by name. Well, okay, so I could have included. I could have like I could have found a way to describe this that didn't that didn't mention them by name. And surely that's not the court's intention uh, to to use some sort of magic words approach where I write my regulation that that succeeds in accomplishing the same objective without mentioning. Worship services, right? Right. So that's not the issue. Um, the The issue I would think would be um, the activities uh, that are carried on in the space, how long it's carried on, and the connection between those things and the likelihood of spreading the disease. Right. Well, I, I think and, oh, and if you, and if people don't know that you that worship services are conducted in a different way than people going into a store and grabbing something off a shelf and leaving, um. Even if it is, uh, you know, heaven forfend, perish the thought, a liquor store. It, you know, I got to clutch my pearls and head for the Neil Gorsuch Memorial Fainting Couch. Um, it, th- like they're different; those yeah. activities are different. Yeah. C-
0: please. Well, so so that's w- what it comes down to. Like, do you think that uh, that that churches and synagogues have been treat and, and worship services in those buildings? has been treated differently than commerce in commercial spaces or other other comparable activities, or comparable activities, I should say. Well, everything comes down to what you think is comparable. And, right. uh, you know, I, he mentioned like Home Depot on a Saturday. You know, there are a lot of people in a Home Depot. It's also a large building. Um, I'm not sure how many Home Depots like that there are in this area of... New York, but, um, but let's imagine there are some, right? Sure. Um, so, so can you make a distinction between people who, you know, a group of say 100 worshipers in a, in a, in a building, which would normally hold 500 and 100 people in a home Depot, um, who are shopping and milling about, um, that, that, that's his main, I think, comparison. He also has this, I think, odd comparison to acupuncture, where did you know he makes a snide remark about like I don't know much about acupuncture. I've never had acupuncture. Ha- acupuncture. But um he, he mentions like what what is it like laterals or he mentions a couple of like acupuncture terms and says something like, you know, um you know, you can't go to your church with this many people. But you can you can go and have your you know, your laterals or your whatever realigned with acupuncture or something like that, which I think is a really odd thing to do in an opinion, which is like castigating the government for kind of religious intolerance
1: right you mean making a joke that seems like a slam at At new age
0: yeah yeah new age religiosity right right which which feeds back into i think one of our big critiques of this what we saw i think a long time ago on this show is an emerging use of uh religious anti-discrimination law to favor religions right is is that this law was essentially turning into like a boon for quote-unquote normal religions yeah. Right, that you know whatever the judges think of as like normal religion, that's the kind of thing that can't be burdened, um, and we've talked about like the Church of the Lead Foot. This is the people who want to speed, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, and then and then also the view that like or the understanding that once the Satanists get involved, um, then all of a sudden the the taste for religious equality seems to evaporate in a lot of places. Um, so I, I found that a really weird it was it was almost like a flex in the opinion. it was we're talking about weird flex but this idea of like yeah. you know you, you could go in a in a one-on-one situation and get acupuncture um, presumably masked uh and somehow that shows that it's uh, absurd to not allow 100 congregants i mean that's to me that's and it insane and
1: on this sort of bad campaign commercials from a few cycles back of you know uh, chardonnay sipping latte la la volvo driving it's right. like this weird campaign ad right Sitting in the middle of the u s reports right it's it's as I said, I cannot improve on my earlier label. it's gross, yeah, so that, it's that, it, it's not befitting so the, the I, court's role
0: I think there are serious questions about whether um one hundred worshipers in a building which has a normal capacity of five hundred or a thousand make up your numbers is more or less dangerous than um, uh, than uh, um, a stream of people in and out of a liquor store all day. I think that depends on prevalence, like how many, you know, the question is like, what is the contact time in there? And all, you know, there's yep. lots. Of, and, and the same thing with Home Depot. I think there are lots of questions about that. But one thing yep. I'm not is suspicious that this is a, an attempt to kind of stifle religion uh, when government had the chance, right? I'm not at all skeptical that this is, you know, at, at most, I think you could say that this shows an inattention to religious need Right. Or a favoring of commercial needs that will somehow benefit the tax base and and an inattentiveness to uh, the religious or kind of uh, non-commercial needs of the citizenry. And so maybe you could have a view of the religion clauses, which said that this is an important aspect of human life, which will be systematically undervalued by uh, um, uh, by, you know, capitalist oriented politicians or what have you. And therefore, we need to reinforce equality norms for this non-commercial aspect of life i i can see and and maybe that's the sense in which um people who are really worried about this are are coming at it right that like look they're not shutting down the yeah
1: but if i mean woe betide us if we're all now to cast a gimlet eye at any (laughs) regulation that that uh that treats uh religious practices in any way uh Less favorably than it treats commercial practices. Yeah, I mean, yikes! If that if if we're really headed into a period of judicial review where it's going to be this kind of with this kind of swagger, uh, in striking things down or enjoining government action, good night. Well, I, I I actually think you know I'd
0: have to reflect on this more, but I I I am sympathetic to. Forms of judicial review, which um, which kind of reinforce a um, reinforce attention to people whose religious views and religious practices would be systematically undervalued, and in this way, I think this reflects this kind of culture, this, this cultural perspective that some um, that some uh, religious adherents in our society today have of being under attack. Right, they're under attack mm-hmm. from secularism, so right. I think there's just a, a feeling, an emotion that um, people are just waiting for the chance to make their religion illegal in this way or that way, right? And so sure. this feels like an attack. Now I think I don't know what Gorsuch thinks. I I assume he knows better than to think that like the dominant religion that almost you know, that most Americans engage in is not under serious attack, that this is like, it's, it's ridiculous, I think, to think that this was a result of an attack on it. I, I can see the view, though, that maybe this um, uh, that this reflected an inattention to the needs of certain religious groups um, and that that inattention was reflected in the attention given to the needs of certain commercial users, right? Then those two things aren't being treated the same. And so the the remark about like the the need to have at least eleven um, a capacity of eleven in certain synagogues, otherwise women couldn't uh, attend services at all, um, to to kind of reflect that attitude that like you know that this was drawn without attention to the needs of religious communities, even though it was these restrictions were drafted with great attention to the needs of certain commercial users. Like I can kind of see that, but notice how. This would require kind of what's being asked for here it would require a lot of attention to the particular like, you know, ecclesiastical norms of various religious users. Like a lot of kind of government entanglement saying, well, can you wear masks in there? Uh, do you need to sing? I mean, imagine like a regulation. Suppose we don't want people to sing because we, you know, the, the Washington State Choir case was one of the early um, mm-hmm. epidemiological findings about aerosol transmission. right? right? And – So, so imagine one saying uh, religious users can be at fifty percent capacity if they are all silent. If they sing, then it's down to like ten people or something like that. Like suddenly you have like regulation of like religious activities in a way that we don't have if we just have flat um, numerical restrictions. Anyway, I I I see kind of a weird road there unless we're going to commit ourselves to the suicide pact notion, which is like we just can't restrict religious users more than we would restrict a. Um, a, a Home Depot, even though the kinds of things going on in there are like really different. Um, right.
1: And and especially if you combine that, I mean, the reason why that, um, the reason why it's not alarmist to call that a suicide pact <laughs> approach to say you simply can't review, right? You, you can't restrict uh, the religious community's practices, um, is that you would combine that with a refusal uh, to examine the sincerity of that uh, assertion. Right. Right. Um, and you would do that in the name of the uh, the establishment clause. Uh, that it, that it, for you to b- start to pick and choose which are the sincere contentions about f- the requirements of faith in a particular religious tradition. Yeah. Um. You'd be picking the official. You'd be picking the ones that are legit and the ones that are not. And the uh, and I don't think people want that to happen. Well, I mean, so course, you combine those two principles, yeah. you can't review something once someone says it's a religious practice, and you, because they say it's a religious practice, and you can't question the, the sincerity or the authenticity of that assertion, because to do so would be to flirt with establishing a state church. Then you really are in a situation where each person gets to declare the law for and of themselves, and that is just chaos.
0: Well, I think sincerity is fair game, in um in much of in, in in much of this kind of uh religious litigation um well, you can I, question I, I its using... cent- its in centrality that is the um, that that's like the no-go zone you can't question like whether this is an important part of their religion right so they they get you know the the religious adherent gets to say what their religion is you can question their sincerity their honesty about that through testimony and you know whether this is a um a um, uh, yeah, and uh, I
1: didn't mean whether this person was lying. I meant the authenticity yeah. of that contention in that faith tradition, right? As a faith tradition. Yeah, this is what well, I think it's, it's in the,
0: um, um, uh, uh, the Arlupa cases, the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act, and and in remaining Rifra cases where where you can have a dispute about sincere whether the religion is sincerely held, but then about the. the what you can't do is dispute kind of the contents of that religion, like the authentic contents of that religion. Like, is this is seeing an important part of what you're doing here like that? You know, that's the kind of thing you don't want to answer. So, um,
1: yeah. You know, so you're putting yourself in a corner. If you, if you, if you develop a doctrine that says that, and, and I appreciate the way that you articulated the concern about, you can have a concern where it seems as if, the um, policymakers are being inattentive to the kinds of um, uh, the, the implementation of various policies uh, to the same degree that they're attending to the implementation on, on a commercial basis. Right. right. They seem really attuned to how this would affect various commercial interests and not at all attuned to how it would affect non-commercial interests. I mean, I, I, I think that's a, that is a legitimate <laughs> <laughs> worry. Uh, and and but I don't know how you constitutionalize that.
0: Well, I think it's an extrapolation of, I think, what is in the heartland of what I would think is a legitimate, like, religious discrimination role for the court, right? Which is to say, um, what I'm going to be attuned to here are rules and regulations which don't affect the dominant religion or dominant religious beliefs, but which are insufficiently attentive to the needs of minoritarian religions, right? So in other words, the Democracy in the society is kind of reflecting the dominant religion in ways that are invisible to it because everybody just has it, right? But are seriously interfering with, and these are things like you know maybe Sunday closure laws and. Right. Uh, so that's
1: know. a quite different. That's a quite different thing. So you, the first time you made the distinction, you said between commercial and not yeah. commercial. That's right? what, so, and yeah. now and now you just redid it, but you moved it to dominant religion versus not dominant. Yes, religion. and so I and think that this seems, is this that is an, seems to me much more workable.
0: This is an extrapolation of that. To a world in which, I mean, certain um, certain people in our society, I think maybe Gorsuch is among them, but uh, it's, it's not uncommon among conservatives to find a certain belief that religion in general is under attack by secularism, right? And so, and so you extrapolate this, I think, this heartland understanding of religious discrimination, right? It's um, either um, explicit or or uh, or explicit discrimination or inattentiveness to the needs of minority religions and now you and now you believe that secularism is the dominant majority force and that what you're trying to protect against is the discrimination against religion as such religion as a whole and so your your comparators are no longer what you know how well is the majority doing under this regulatory regime compared to the minority religion now it's how well is the is religion as a whole doing next to things which aren't religion but which are kind of secular equivalents and of course, how you draw the the category of secular equivalence is going to dictate that whole game. Because of course, all all industry is treated differently from you know every other bit of industry, right? right? And so, uh, so so it puts a lot of pressure on the comparators, right?
1: Y- yes. A- and I think that the comparators don't bear up particularly well under that pressure if w- once you cross. From this faith tradition and that faith tradition, over into commercial, general commercial life, having no particular faith construct in it at all, right? And faith traditions as a whole, right? Um, Which is why, because of the because of the very different practices that are involved in those things. Yes,
0: which is why Sotomayor said, you know, the right comparison is to a. You know, an invitation to talk in an auditorium about, say, vegetarianism. Right. Or some other social thing where, where the uh, um, the equivalent is people gathering in a room to talk. Um, right. You know, whether it's like movie theaters or what have you. But but at least hers is like closer to that heartland. Right. It says, OK, if you're going to compare it to kind of the favoritism towards secular enterprises, make it a, make it a um, make it a nearby secular enterprise right uh, nearby to yeah. religious enterprises and Home Depot yeah. is not is not the same like people go to Home Depot for all kinds of reasons um and they do it in different ways um
1: but the range of those ways and the overlap between that and the way people behave in a in a in the context of a worship service are predictably and understandably very far apart from yeah. each other, I would think, yeah right, and so if you if you if you say that's hostility to the religious group because you're you've got these uh, pa- parameters for disease transmission that meaningfully differentiate between these two situations are these people sitting together talking with each other for an hour in a room, are these people not talking at all? In there for a very short period of time, and a different group of people are in there ten minutes from now, et cetera, through the day, and like that's what you would need to think about.
0: Yeah. Yes. And I I guess uh, you know, there's another aspect of this too, which is that um, uh, that the I forget if it's the Percurium or Gorsuch or Kavanaugh or all three kind of push back against, and that's that you know this is no longer like an immediate emergency. We've been with this at this for months now, but. Despite the, the the state of knowledge has been changing, such that like I think you need to afford to government regulation here exactly what strict scrutiny does not afford, and that's some degree of slop. Like right. we have to some recognition that in a in the face of of a lot of kind of scientific uncertainty, there needs to be a little room for people to try to address what they consider to be based on our state of the knowledge the most dangerous things, and um, to be able to respond flexibly to changes in our state of knowledge about those things, and. Yes. The one thing that we know is when people gather together in large groups like this occasionally, like almost everybody gets it in these groups, right? And uh, like one example of that is the Amy Coney Barrett celebration held at the White House. Right. Yeah. Um, Talk about irony of ironies, right? Yes. And so I I would give a lot of latitude here uh, to to, to governments who are trying to make it through the situation without, I mean, New York is a site where there were. Uh, you know, refrigerated trucks with dead bodies and field tent hospitals and sirens going off repeatedly. You know, the idea that they would be it's... lectured to as like, you know, throwing away the Constitution in a bit of, like, in, in order to kind of stick it to religious groups and that's what's motivating this. That's to me what is like offensive and barbaric about um, about what's happened here.
1: And it's, uh, I, I think those are fair terms. I, I I think the snark and the smarm about you know, the Constitution going into hiding, or, uh, you know, they want to abandon the Constitution. Yeah, it's just, it strikes me as grotesque.
0: Well, that's what um, drove Chief Justice Roberts to to write, uh, and maybe not just to write separately, but to address that particular part. Like, he really pushed back against against Gorsuch for saying, like, you know, <laughs> it reminds me of that chapter in, um, in Law's Empire that Dworkin wrote, where he's, like... He's pushing back against the critique. Someone saying, "Well, you know, you're not interpreting law at all. Like, you know, you're not interpreting the statute at all. Uh, you're just substituting your own judgment for what the legislature wrote, or what you know, or, or what the common law really is." He says, "No, the, the disagreement here is more interesting than that. It's that they have different understandings of what it means to interpret the law, right? And and Chief Justice Roberts was essentially saying that, right? That no, their dissenting colleagues have a different view about what the Constitution requires in this." In this area, and to say that it's like obvious and they're abandoning the Constitution goes beyond mere disagreement. You're basically accusing them of kind of um, a, a kind of revolution against the Constitution. It's a, accusing them right. of lawlessness, and I think right. that's just nuts.
1: Of like forgetting their office and doing something fundamentally different from the activity they all agreed to do.
0: Right. Which is, and I don't know that Gorsuch intended to accuse them of that, but he has to understand that you know. A, 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 a sharp knife has two sides of it, right? And if you cut with a knife, in order to, by saying, um, you know, I'm, you know, the Constitution requires this. It it uh, um, uh, it can't go into hiding during times of emergency. Like you know, bad things happen when you do that, et cetera, et cetera. The more you do that, the more you're accusing the other side of of doing the thing that you say that you're you're not doing. Right. You know, when you when you when you cut with a knife, you got it to, in order to have one side of the of the picture, make it look like you were championing a, a constitution against complete irrelevance or abandonment. Then the the, the uh, um, there's a, there's a quiet part of that argument. And that's that anybody who disagrees with me. Right. Is abandoning the constitution. Right. right. You, and I don't know. I think I think that's just it's just crazy.
1: It also concerns me that I think it, it just bodes poorly for uh, the the coming years with people arguing about the degree to which generally applicable laws uh, require exceptions or modifications based on religious practice claims. Well, we've got a lot uh, of
0: listeners who are familiar with what Employment Division Against Smith did um, and uh, um, this is a Scalia opinion, right? Which basically got rid of the of automatic kind of strict scrutiny for distinctions, um, or for um, for burdens on religion. Just just because you can show that your religious exercise is being burdened doesn't necessarily get you to strict scrutiny. You have to show that you're actually being treated differently. Um, uh, th- that um, uh, that there was intentional discrimination, or that there was a. Um, uh, uh, but but if it's just an application of a generally applicable law, which happens to burden you. Uh, more greatly than a uh, than, than someone who's not a religious adherent or is not engaged in religious activity, then it's just rational basis review, right? And yeah. so this overturned a constitutional matter.
1: And yeah. then you know, if the if Congress wants to pass a statute that holds the national government to a to a, a standard that's more solicitous of religious practice, obviously as a statutory matter, I think Congress can do that, and, and in effect has done it. With respect um, to the
0: feds, I mean, you know, interestingly, there was this, you know well you know yeah. the rest of the story
1: so yeah. Um, yeah. but but the 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 but uh, again as a constitutional requirement yeah. um em, employment division saying there it's, a, it's the the notion of a of a a neutral law of general applicability is an important concept uh, an important reality uh, and that we want to arrange our constitutional doctrine around that uh construct make space for it uh is i, I think uh, I, clearly, that case would not come out the same way today. Uh, it, it seems. No, it and, seems that
0: there are votes to overturn it and to return to a regime of basically religious exemptions from generally applicable laws. Which I think is, you know, it's interesting because it's like this inattention theory to minority religions idea that I had. Um, that that I. I mean, it's not just that I had, but like this.
1: But, but it's religion versus not religion. Yes. That is the, um, and and I think that is. Um, that would be that different than the old. We would
0: Wisconsin against Yoder regime and sure it, like it would be it would extend that much further
1: yes and I think we would come to regret it
0: but that's essentially what's happened here right essentially what they've done is engaged in um, a kind of strict scrutiny of comparators right by yes. deciding whether or not there's a discrimination here they've looked they've they've attempted to look very closely well, how similar is this to other things right whereas a normal rational basis review would just say okay well there's a distinction here but that could be you know um a good reason for that is that this is a uh, – um, these are large-scale meetings where people are in a room for a long time, and um, government rationally – could at least based on our knowledge now, you could rationally aim at that, and there's a good reason, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So this yeah. doesn't look anything like that. This doesn't look anything like rational basis review. It looks like nope. getting to strict scrutiny by applying strict scrutiny.
1: <laughs> yeah. I found
0: I I found the whole thing dispiriting because it throws like it, it involves the judiciary in you know we've got a few more months of this in um it involves the judiciary in a negative way in a in the in really the the battle of our lives you know we're looking at possibly if we don't get a handle on this thing losing half a million Americans by next spring and yes it's just it, it's It's difficult to fathom that you could write like a triumphant, snarky opinion, disabling New York from uh, stopping gatherings of like 100 people in a room after what happened in New York in March. Um, It's just, uh, you know, I hope it works out. I mean, I, I hope that New York is able to control this and it doesn't take off there and that this opinion doesn't disable other regulations, other places in ways that are traceable to the Supreme Court.
1: Right. Um, i uh, I share your hope um not least because it will be little solace to the people in a hospital bed to have piped over the audio system the dulcet tones of Gorsuch smarm and Gorsuch snark well, right while they're yeah. laboring for breath um that that it, it is just um it, the, the the uh the the court is playing with fire here in, the, in a in a very in a quite literal sense, right? I, yeah, this I is a public health emergency where yeah. you would expect the 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 sort of flexibility that you would want to try to afford to legislatures and executives to be at its if perhaps at its zenith.
0: I, I don't know that he intended. Like I, I'm a little uncomfortable with the smarm thing because I'm not sure how he intended to come off, um, and I, I do think it's gross.
1: But uh, okay, uh, that's I'm and so maybe I'm being unfair, but I think I think if you're going to be one of the nine most powerful people on earth, I think there's a minimum of self awareness we ought to be entitled to expect, Uh, not only expect but demand. And so, if you so if he's unaware of that, he needs to become aware of it, yeah, Um, because he's because of the role he plays. Time to step up and and bring your A-game, including your A-game of self-awareness. Right. And because uh, it is just the, yeah, it's just gross.
0: And there was a lot of it that was just unconvincing. You know, a lot of the the analytical moves in that opinion were just not.
1: Well, the, yeah, convincing. it has that problem too. But uh, um,
0: it was mysterious. And, you know, the part about penumbra's was totally unnecessary. You know, taking a shot at substantive due processes. Un- and the whole opinion was unnecessary. Like what what would have changed if he'd written nothing? Good question. Mm. Well, what else you got, Joe?
1: I feel like I—I
0: I don't know. I just mm. this is one where, like, if I edited it, I might edit most of this episode out. I don't know. I feel like it I—I I, I don't want to yeah, talk about—I don't want to talk about the Supreme Court, right? But and, We did, but we I was did. actually
1: surprised. I was surprised you brought it up, actually, for that reason. Were you? Yeah. For about a half a second, <laughs>
0: <laughs> then you realize I had a bead in my bonnet.
1: Yeah, well, this is, and this is a this is a worth this is one worth having. This this is not a good set of opinions.
0: No, and there's nothing particularly like, you know, the Supreme Court is authoritative because it's final, right? Not because it, you know, there's there's no sense of like Michael Jonian like uh, court is teacher. There's no like sense of court as example. It's just like. Um, which I think is part of the mantle Gorsuch tried to seize here, right? That like, you know, there's a deeper principle than like um, fighting this virus by any means necessary. We can't lose our identity of who we are as a people. You know, I, I, I don't know about whether he's sincere in, I, I assume he's sincere in thinking that, right? And thinking of the Constitution as this like bright flame that can't go out, you know, no matter the travails that befall us. Right. But, you know, that that the, the argument against us was so weak only served to make that kind of that principle seem so, um, bizarrely, you know, inapt for the moment. Uh,
1: I suppose a a conversation that I would like to have, um, would be to, to ask the, the litigants, why they sought, why, why they, why they, um, why they approached the case the the way that they did? I mean, why did they leapfrog uh, the
0: Second Circuit and looking for an injunction?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, and of course, uh, you know, they're, they're, that's lawyer strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out to have been a good strategy for the for the for the religious groups that brought the challenge, um, uh, and has it done any long-term harm to the shape of the law? I don't know. Uh, obviously, because that's a question one can't answer uh without a lot of time and other events occurring. Um but but it do but it, it is interesting that they chose the route that they did. Uh, and that or that the lawyers chose the route that they did. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't be a good conversation. I'm not sure, but I would um I think that the um I think the the fact that we're another thing this case raises, I suppose for me, is that the the fact that the lawyers thought this was a good strategy and decided to pursue it, it itself says something about the changed world in which we're living.
0: The state of the Supreme Court, you mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the and the the the, the that this kind of um, you know. I don't care who this hurts. Um, it, it's going to help me. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's troubling.
0: It seems like it was an attempt to box in the Second Circuit, both like with the injunction, which they, I guess, they thought they might not get from the Second Circuit. But also now there's all this language about the reasons why these uh, the religious groups here should win, and I don't think the Second Circuit is obligated to treat that as holding in any way.
1: No, um, no, of course not.
0: But you know, the, it is ammunition for sure.
1: And I don't, and I, (laughs) and of course I would say it, right? Because I'm not in one of these uh, religious groups or faith traditions. I do not feel that they're under attack from secularism. So, and of course they would say, well, of course you would say that you're secular. Right. Um, But
0: like, yes, but I, I think to, to put pressure on that, like, I don't want any groups to gather in groups of a 100 in places with, you know, any reasonable amount of prevalence,
1: yeah. Well, this is precisely my point. Yeah, that I, that, because I think it is a. I think the, uh, the the governor's order was to a first and perhaps to a fifth approximation an effort to deal responsibly with medical facts in in a medical crisis.
0: Yeah, it, and you could argue about did it go far enough against the commercial interests. You know should there, you should there have been and, and that I don't know so that, that's the kind of thing where I think you know Breyer's opinion is attractive to me precisely because it allows people to litigate that fact in the second circuit but I would yes. not enjoin them now from no. prohibiting no. gatherings of a hundred people in a you know in a church built for a thousand um you know where with uncertain airflows and ventilation and like to me is like the height of irresponsibility yeah to do to do that but there's still a lot I would want to know. And I think you could, you know, in, in, in a in a healthy dialogue, you could hash this out, like in the Second Circuit or in the district court, you know, or if it got remanded there. And New York might respond to some of this. If I were in New York, I would be responsive to what may come out in litigation.
1: Of course. And uh, and it, it and if it. And if it was litigation that brought New York around to the notion that they needed to listen more carefully and do a better job, I suppose that's a good thing that it had that outcome. If if it wasn't possible to get New York to pay attention in the absence of it. Um, but, uh, you know, well, I, I hope the court continues to talk internally um, about these issues as they continue to hold all their meetings by telephone because it's too dangerous for all of them to be in the building together. Yeah. I hope they do that. Continue to hold oral argument on phones and whatnot. I mean, as they continue to care, look after their own health with such punctilious uh, uh, care.
0: And well, I'm not like I'm not going to slam them for doing that. And and I don't. Nor am I. I
1: I don't even know. I'm not uh, slamming anybody.
0: I. But we are losing like close to three thousand people a day, as we speak. Um, You know, it's gone up from two thousand up to three thousand, which is like, I keep. Comparing this to to a number of 737 airliners, and now it's up near 15 per day going down. But once you get yeah. up to 3,000, you're basically – that's a nine eleven day. And I just yes. have a hard time believing that the court would insert itself if uh, into regulations meant to protect against domestic terrorism or, or international terrorism incidents that were costing us 3,000 lives per day just because it's right. been going on for months. Like the fact that it's been going on for months is all the more reason to get even more aggressive with it, right? And yes. to give even more – Latitude, to uh,
1: and and yet here we are.
0: Yeah, and yet here we are. Uh, It's enraging, actually, isn't it? The more I think about it, yeah, it's wanting to win too badly.
1: Hmm. A lot of that going around.
0: Yeah, there's a whole hell of a lot of that going around, isn't there? Um, I mean, there's a lot. You know, there's all kinds of stuff we could have talked about today, Joe. We could have talked about all these. The Absurdity of the of the recounts uh, or or the litigation over these things, the um, uh, the insanity of um, uh, of what certain like institute what certain I think professional um, uh, Republicans in professional roles doing professional things like our secretary of state here in Georgia yeah and and uh, there's a guy on the daily this morning who's uh um, has a has a role within that office in charge of elections i forget his name and what the role is but
1: probably mr sterling he's been talking maybe to me a is. lot yeah yeah gabriel sterling
0: and, and um you know a lot of these people are have been the firewall between a successful and an unsuccessful coup attempt yes and um and so maybe it's always been kind of baked in that they that they would never go that far and that any Republican that you had uh, who was in one of these roles would do the right thing in this most extreme circumstance. And any Republican not in that role would you know, side with Trump until the last possible. Maybe that's all kind of baked into the cake of, of our current like, set of political dynamics here. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it is, I think, very distressing um, and, it, and also upsetting when you hear them say, well, I voted for Trump. Uh, you know, I wanted him to win, but, but he just didn't. And so we kind of applaud them for doing the right thing by not, you know, the bare minimum of basically not cooing. Um, <laughs> but but uh, uh, does this not like, what I really want to know, I'd like to sit down with some of these people and just ask, does this not make you reconsider whether it was a good idea to vote for this guy? Like, do you think this is the first time that he's lied? You know, these people who now you see as crazy because they are believing in these crazy conspiracy theories, whether it's QAnon uh, or, right. or just more kind of mundane Voter fraud, suitcase full of ballots, kind of nonsense.
1: Well, like, one indication of how they would answer your question is: I, I think it was the Secretary of State who was asked in a, on a in a news program the other day whether he planned to vote for Senators uh, Leffler and Purdue, hmm. given that they are participating in the decrying of how the Georgia election was conducted, and in fact have called for him to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, "Oh, absolutely, I'm going to vote for them. I vote for Republicans." I I don't. So I found that quite surprising, actually. Um,
0: this is, that I mean, that, that goes a step further. That's that's even like you know I that's not. I never thought the leopard would eat my face. That's like oh the leopards <laughs> eating my face, but like I still like the leopards better than the the tigers right. over there.
1: Yeah, he sure is a pretty cat. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> right. And uh, you, you, you know, the the follow up question is why? Like, what is it? Like, is it just abortion? Is that it? Is it, yeah. is it something else?
1: It's very strange.
0: Yeah. Uh, what else are we going to talk about?
1: I don't know. That's, we've been talking for a long time.
0: We have been. I think, I think we maybe should end it, even though I kind of wanted to, to talk to you about teaching and the semester and how you're feeling and all that. Oh, we and can
1: do that. We could do that next week.
0: I, I don't see why we couldn't. We can do whatever we want, right?
1: Yeah. So let's, why don't we talk about that next week? I don't know what my thoughts are on that. I don't do you
0: think this one was problem. any good?
1: Well, again, I—it's not over, technically speaking. So yeah. So I'm not uh, like Plutarch. I'm going to reserve judgment <laughs> until the until the till the event is actually concluded. Yeah. Um, but All yeah, right. th- of course, I think it was good. All right. Okay.
0: Well, we'll, we'll let the listeners be the judge. And um, indeed. And we'll get back to you. Okay.
1: It was good to talk to you, Sounds Joe. Good. Uh, I agree. Have a great week. Um, same to you. Yeah, that's true. It's Monday, so it's just the beginning of the week. Yeah.